Good morning, friends. Glad you're all here. We had a wonderful um, event yesterday where our church was filled and got to um, invite our neighbors and um, friends to come into our church, especially for the sake of the children, but it was just a fun uh, event to have people who may not ever go to church come into the walls of our church. So uh, I pray that uh, the Lord would definitely use that in the days ahead. Um, I want to remark that um, we usually sing this marvelous hymn at least once a year, and we use it to commemorate a, a special day in the church calendar, a, a day of uh, importance in church history, particularly for us. So if you're not aware already, we are here on Reformation Sunday. This is the day that we commemorate in a sense, the beginning of the Protestant Reformation because of an act done by a Roman Catholic monk named Martin Luther. In the end of October, um, more than 500 years ago, if I'm correct, it's like 506, uh, something like that. We are over 500 years since the spark of the Protestant Reformation, and the Reformation is particularly significant for churches like us because we consider ourselves reformed in that we follow the principles that came out of the Reformation. And good principles like sola scriptura, scripture alone, and by faith alone, through Christ alone, these are um, part of the solas. We've covered them during a sermon series before, but I, I am always deeply moved uh, when I think about the Reformation and think about um, people like Martin Luther, that German monk, people like Johannes Calvin, uh, who was a Frenchman, and people like William Tyndale, an Englishman, and realize that the world was being transformed because of a recovery of the gospel and a recovery of God's word. And that should be moving for us because we are actually surrounded by churches that claim to be Christian churches that don't even open up the word of God anymore. There are churches that will do everything else except open up God's word and teach it as it is. There are churches that will leave the last 10 minutes to a summary of a verse or maybe use a idea from scripture but then dive into something about world topics or politics or other stuff. That is not what we're called to do as God's people. As God's people, we are called to hear His Word, hear it as it is, teach the Word, Ponder the Word, meditate on the Word, and then here's something I want you to walk away with today. Apply the Word. Do you know that the Word of God does not have full effect until it does the work of transformation in our lives through the Holy Spirit? It's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough just to know some truths and some facts. Let me say it again. In a sense, the Word of God is not completely effective until it 
makes changes in our hearts and in our daily lives. And that's what the Reformation set off. So I pray that this will be a gospel-centered, Bible-preaching, Christ-centered church forever. At least until Jesus comes. And so I pray that you would enjoy the Reformation with me. By the way, Ligonier Ministries, the ministry that was started by R.C. Sproul, has put out a marvelous free documentary on Luther. You can just go to Ligonier.org, watch it with your kids tonight, talk about the Reformation this week. Wonderful little thing you can do. But let me um, get into this passage in Titus by also reflecting on some things from the Reformation. That's my intention today. Go through this passage as quickly as I can, just given the time that we have, but also touch on a few things from the Reformation. We're on Titus chapter 2, verses 1 to 10 today. And let me give you an outline so that you kind of have a roadmap. Okay, that's really all we can do on Sunday mornings. So I pray that you'll kind of think about this more, maybe dive in even more deeply on your own. The first is, Paul tells Titus, his associate... Just like Timothy, I don't know how old Titus actually was, but Paul loves Titus and he left him on this island of Crete to continue the work and actually to finish what he started, particularly in the establishing of churches by having good leaders like elders put in. We already covered a lot of that. But the first point is this. Paul tells Titus to teach in accordance with sound doctrine, which leads to sound living. That's point number one. Two, that sound living leads to being an encouragement to others. Three, the encouragement is for all kinds of people in the congregation. Not just the old people. Not just the youth group. But all kinds of people. Fourthly, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect before a watching world. So I've given you four points and I will say, if you like words, I'm going to give you two particular words that I want you to walk away with today. Encourage and adorn. I want you to walk away with at least do those two words that come from these four points. I want you to think about those two words. Encourage and adorn. As words that you can use to help you apply what we hear from God's Word today. So let me... Just pray for a moment. Lord, I thank you that you have brought us here. May your word fill us richly. May your spirit enlighten us. And may we have great delight in your son, our Lord Jesus. And my prayer is that you would give us eyes to see him better today. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Titus chapter 1 was really about Titus wanting the congregation in Crete. Remember we talked about the word Cretan? kind of a negative term. Cretans were immoral people. They're doing all kinds of bad stuff in a secular, pluralistic context, not very different than our own. And so Paul um, actually is telling Titus, listen, I want the believers in this place, perhaps one congregation, perhaps more than one. We don't actually know how many congregations Paul is over or writing to, but he says, Titus, I want the Cretan believers to be unlike all other Cretans. I want them to be set apart, sanctified, 
corporately holy and distinct from the world. In other words, remember I talked about this last week. Wherever you go, believer, whatever you do, you give off the aroma of Christ. In any job, in any situation, you are distinct. You look different. You sound different. As Sinclair Ferguson says, you walk different because you're a Christian. And people will say, so who, who is that? Something different about him. And so in chapter 2, Titus is taught by Paul or encouraged by Paul to do the same thing, have the same concern that you have in the corporate sense in the individual sense, individually, in specific situations and stations of life, to those specific places and stations of life for every person, listen, young or old, slave or free, to live out the grace of God in their daily life. So Titus, preach in such a way to everyone in your congregation so everyone will be godly in every way that they, they can be. That's... Pastor Jeff and my, our elders, our officers, desire for all of you. Listen, be godly in every situation, in every moment, in every place that God takes you. Listen, you are the hands and feet of Jesus wherever He has put you and takes you. So let me, for the, um, for the sake of our, our time and to go through... Let me go quickly to point one. Teach in accordance with sound doctrine so it leads to sound living, and, which is a healthy Christian life. Um, this is how he begins. He says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Sentence one. But as for you, Titus, do you know what he's really saying? Unlike all the false teachers, unlike perhaps these people of the circumcision, perhaps the people who were now Jewish Christians who were bringing in additional hoops to jump through to be, you know, a real Christian, a true believer, a real member of the church, instead of all these extra myths and traditions and things that they may have brought into the church at Crete, Paul says, unlike them, Titus, you hold, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And um, listen, thinking about the Reformation, I want to tell you that's what their lives were all about. That's what their lives were all about, was holding on to sound doctrine, was not falling into error. That's the essence of people like Martin Luther and William Tyndale and John Calvin and John Knox and others. Listen to Luther's words. Maybe you haven't heard it for a while. So I'm going to share it with you in the midst of the sermon. Unless I'm convinced by the testimony of the Scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound to the scriptures I have quoted and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything at the Diet of Worms 
in Germany where he was being held in what he thought would be a debate was really a trial to accuse him. I cannot and I will not retract anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Amen? That is holding on to sound doctrine. That is teaching sound doctrine. That is Martin Luther going against the Holy Roman Empire against the Pope and saying, no, going against God's word even a tiny bit is error. It is false teaching. And that is not how you get saved. You don't get saved by doing stuff. You don't get saved by giving money to the church. You don't get saved by worshiping other statues or idols or making pilgrimages or worshiping relics or buying indulgences or any other thing. By the way, Luther himself as a monk climbed the steps in Rome on his knees thinking that he can become holy and find favor with God. But he realized it did nothing. Did nothing because you're saved by grace alone. By faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. Right? So, Paul first tells Titus, teach in accordance with sound doctrine, which leads to sound living, to healthy Christian lives. Let me just go back to something I said before. Listen. If you ever find yourself moving away from here and you need to find a church, don't go to a church where they don't preach God's Word. Your life is going to fall apart without hearing God's Word and learning God's Word and applying God's Word. You need to find a church that, uh, that purely exposits the Scriptures as it is so that you can continually fall under conviction of sin and look to Christ alone. There are many churches today that give 10 minutes to the preaching of the Word of God and all the other minutes to everything else. And that is not okay. That is not okay. Paul writes to Timothy earlier in chapter 1, verse 5, and he says, I want you to have a sincere faith a faith that is alive and well. And so, brothers and sisters, I hope you can hear that. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So Paul's goal in teaching is not simply that people will agree with things, but that there would be a transformation in their lives through the Word of God by the power of the Spirit. I want to ask you an application question um, I may not get to finish this sermon fully here, and I, I actually don't mind if I have to continue this one because it's so important, but I will say this. It's an application question that you need to hear. How do you come on Sundays to the church? Here's where I'm going with that, because there's a lot of ways to answer that. I don't mean do you come prepared. You come awake. That's not what I'm saying do you come expectantly? Here's another way. Maybe this will step on toes and hearts a little bit as it did me. Do you come ready to hear God's Word 
and sound biblical teaching, so much so that you're preparing yourself to respond to God's truth for your life. Because you know when you hear God's truth, you're going to be called to do something. Do you come thinking, I'm going to hear God's word and I'm going to need to think about it to know what I need to change in my life, how I need to respond, what I need to give up, what I need to put on, how I need to react, to respond to the truth that I hear. Remember what I said earlier, God's word is not, in a sense, it's not fully effective until transformation takes place in and around us. So the right teaching of Scripture will promote the living of the Christian life. Secondly, I'm going to go to point two. Point two is this. Our growth in the grace of God and the changes it brings to our own character, our speech, our conduct and behavior ought to be seen as a means to encourage others as well. So, sound teaching leads to right living or sound living. So, right teaching leads to sound living. Sound living should lead us to encourage others as well. You know where I'm going with that? It's not just for you. It's not just for you to build up, be built up in your own walk for you individually, just for your family, for your own growth. It's always also to encourage others. Now, look at the scriptures in this passage, particularly if you, let me see if I can find it in my Bible here. In um, verse, verse, uh, Timoth- Titus um, 2, verse 4, it says, it says this. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Titus 2, verse 3 and 4. There, he's talking about one of the kinds of types of people here, one of the classes of people. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands well and goes on. You know what he's really saying? And this actually comes up in all the classes of people that he talks about in that passage, except one. He mentions four or five classes of people. Older men, younger men. Older women, younger women. Bond slaves. Four out of those five, he repeats something. Almost as if to say, godly living leads to blessing others and encouraging others. It's not just for you. Do you get what I'm saying with that? You're not just living the Christian life just for your own personal edification and growth. It's to bless and encourage others. So let me say it in another way. The motivation for living a godly life, for learning sound doctrine and being transformed by God's truth through God's word, by God's spirit, is to benefit others. And we're always to think and consider how our example, our life has an impact on everyone else. You know, I'm constantly aware when something happens in our church, how it affects one another. One family affects another family. One elder affects another elder. We all have a a connection within the body of Christ, so much so that we're uh, impacted. It's because it's not just about us. It's about all of us together. So Paul tells the older women, 
the younger women and the younger men, and then the bond slaves, he says clearly to these believers in the congregation at Crete that they should remember that their transformed lives aren't only for themselves and their own well-being and benefit, but for the rest of the congregation's well-being as well. They're a witness and an encouragement to the others around them. Is that true of you? Are you encouraging others because of the sound doctrine that has led to the sound living? Are you helping others? Are you coming along others? Are you walking with people who are struggling? Are you praying for them? Are you comforting them? Are you counseling them? Are you encouraging them? Remember, we live in Christian community with one another. The passage actually goes on to show that more and more. Uh, there to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. In another section, it says, so that the congregation may not be looked badly on with another class of people. You see, we impact one another. Let me move on. Thirdly, God's truth Sound doctrine that leads to sound living needs to be an impact on all kinds of people at all stations of life. That encouragement is for all kinds of people at all stages of life. Now look at our church. We have old. We have young. I'm not going to say who's old. I'm getting part of that mix right now. But we have young. We have really young we have men, we have women, we have retired, we have working. In those days, they had slave and free. Pastor Jeff did a marvelous job of saying what a bond servant is. Somebody who perhaps after his time of duty says, no, I want to continue serving this good master for life. And so there were bond servants in the church at Crete. And so Paul tells Titus, speak to them too, to the bondservant too. Show them and teach them sound doctrine that will lead to sound living so that they will be encouraged. And um, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. So although Paul doesn't give us a strategy or a um, a sort of a, what's the word? A system or a frame. What Paul's doing in this passage by telling Titus to preach and teach older men, older women, younger men, younger women, bond slaves is this, is saying this, you need to teach them so that they can live to work through the issues that they have in their particular context. Men need to speak to men. Women need to minister to women. Someone needs to minister to the youth. Someone needs to minister to the older community. This is really the Apostle Paul saying, this is why we do various types of ministries in the church. You know, I think about my kids all the time. Just like I was not going to put a filet mignon in front of a two-year-old, 
even though the rest of us were eating it perhaps, so too we don't teach the Westminster Confession of Faith to our three-year-old perhaps in that way we do with an adult or exposit the Scriptures the same way. I bring them to Sunday school class so that the Sunday school teacher can break it down for them and give them illustrations and perhaps an object lesson and teach God's Word, the sound doctrine, for them at their level. Have you heard about this? Putting the cookies on the bottom shelf? It's bringing God's Word to their level. Friends, do you realize that this passage is perhaps, I should have let Colton preach this passage. Uh, it would have been a great one for youth ministry. Listen, this is why we have youth ministries. This is why we do a men's ministry. This is why we do a women's ministry. To comfort and encourage those who are going through particular challenges in their context. You know, I'm going through something that you may not be going through and it really helps to be part of a men's group to talk to other men and to say, hey, have you ever gone through this too? Have you ever had this problem? How did you work through it? There are particular problems and challenges and difficulties that we all go through. And the Apostle Paul is telling Titus here, teach sound doctrine that leads to godly living and it must be an encouragement to them. But remember, it's for all people. It's not just for the wealthy. It's not just for the free. It's not just for the men. It's for all people and all stations of life because godliness matters for everybody. That's what Paul's telling them. I don't have really a lot of time to go into the specifics here. A lot of it is straightforward, by the way, where he talks to the older men and the older women, you can read it and understand it. There's not really a whole lot of unfolding that needs to be done. But for you to hear it again, let me say it. Okay, so you can hear God's word again. You think about how this applies to you as the encouragement you need in your particular situation or maybe within our church. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. Remember I said each group has its own issues? Well, think about this. Perhaps there is an old man who's done all these things throughout his life, but as soon as he became old, he began to backslide. He began to have issues in his older stage. Paul says to Titus, preach the word to them in that context. Teach them the Word and how to apply it so that even as an old man, you tell them, stay the course. Keep going. Fight the good fight. Even though now you're retired. Be diligent. Be dignified. See, each group has their own issues and Paul's telling Titus to preach that. Then he says, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. 
Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Remember what I said about one affecting the other? Our living, our godly living matters. One family's impact matters. One believer's actions matter within the community of faith. Don't ever think lightly about that. You are making a difference as part of the body of Christ. And so the challenge is there for us. And he goes on to bond servants. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative with who? Maybe their masters, maybe fellow workers. Not pilfering, you know what that means, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Well, I'm going to end on that verse. The fourth point is really in the context of speaking to bond servants about how to live a godly life. And he says, you are to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. God's Word is at stake. God's reputation is at stake. Well, nothing's going to affect it, but you know what I'm saying. We can either adorn the Gospel in God's Word or tarnish it by our lives. We can bring ill repute to the church and ill repute to Christ and ill repute to the community of God if we just do whatever we want. But Paul's telling Titus how to tell his people, no matter what station of life they're at, to keep going, to hold to sound doctrine and to sound faith so that no one may bring an accusation against us. Listen, godliness matters. The way you handle your money matters. The way you parent matters. The way you carry your marriage matters. The way you do your taxes matter. The way that you respond on the road matters. The way you treat your boss matters. The Lord calls us to godliness and holiness. Can I just end one moment here with the Reformation again? Do you know John Calvin went to Geneva, Switzerland and tried to leave? <laughs> he wanted to go back to France. But a man named Martin Bucer came up to Calvin and said, you're just the kind of guy we need to pastor us. And Calvin said, I don't want to be here. I don't even want to pastor. I'm shy. I love studying God's Word. I'm not called to be a pastor. And Martin 
abuser, let him have it. You know what he said? He said, you are Jonah. Running away. And how dare you? God needs you here right now to do what He's given you gifts to do. And do you know that John Calvin gave himself to the pastorate and preached (laughs) every day, every Sunday, for as long as he could. And then there is a little place across the street from the church. It was an auditorium. It's called Auditoire de Calvin. Calvin's Auditorium. Still there. Where he would go after preaching and teach students. And I want you to hear this. Those students got on so got on fire so much with the Word of God that they became missionaries to all of Europe and the New World and became martyrs for Christ. So much so that one year he even sent one of them to Brazil. And Presbyterianism just blew up in Brazil. And Jay and I had to, we served a little Brazilian church in Newark, New Jersey. And I'm like, how are these people Presbyterian? How did they hear the Reformed Gospel? Because Martin Lu- I mean, because John Calvin responded to Martin Bucer and said, God wants you to encourage us here. Do the job. That's what happens when we submit our lives to the Lord. The world gets turned upside down. Thank God for His Word and for His people. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for all that You've done. Um, Lord, around the world, thank You for these great men of the faith. But more so, Lord, thank You for Your Word. Your Word that does not come back empty. Father, I pray that even our church might be ascending church for many to hear the gospel and to establish churches and to establish mission heads and um, all kinds of things around the world because your word, the sound doctrine, leads to sound living. So Lord, we give ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you because we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.